This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexander Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing, but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. episode is brought to you by Saks.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hey, Good Together listeners. I hope you're doing well. Um, we were so excited to hear that The Guardian, as in that major publication um, over in the UK, highlighted Good Together as one of their top picks for climate positive podcasts. And let me tell you, that was a pretty crazy feather in our cap over here. I mean, we've been doing this for years now. And, you know, when I think about the way that we talk about oftentimes confusing or scary topics as it relates to sustainability, I always have to remember that we bring everything home and talk about it from the angle of a conscious consumer, because that's what we do every day. We consume things. The goal of this podcast is to help you consume better um, and to not feel guilty or judged if you can't consume better 100% of the time, because none of us can. Um, So yeah, when I got that notification, I think somebody tagged me on LinkedIn. Strangely enough, I didn't get another notification about it, but... um, was really, really excited. Um, so thank you so much, listeners, for your continued support of this podcast. I think, um, you know, the, our, our overall users and um, feedback and everything that we get is just one highlight of what we do. Um, and I'm just really thankful, thankful for you. Okay, so we've got another solo episode for you. It's the end of February, and I wanted to hop in with some news in the sustainability realm. Um, and as always, again, we're talking about it from the angle of conscious consumers. So I've got like three themes for us today because I thought, you know, there were like three major articles that I found or that stuck out to me. It does not mean that I missed, didn't miss something because I'm sure I did. (laughs) Um, but let's first start off by talking about, um, what I thought was really cool which is Thrive Market. So if you're not familiar with Thrive Market, they are a subscription-based 
grocery delivery um, service. And when I say grocery, it's more like dried items and like, um, what do they call it? Sundries. Isn't that like a weird old person term? <laughs> but yes, it's a, it's a place where you can go and get things cheaply. I love to use Thrive Market for um, eco-friendly like beauty products and shampoos and, and baby products, etc. They always have a really big savings from like your typical uh, stores or even Amazon. Um, but it is a subscription, and so Thrive has sponsored um, Good Together in the past. They are no longer an active sponsor. I don't have a subscription that's paid for by them, um, but I still renew it because I find that the savings are really good. Um, but the reason why I'm talking about Thrive is because they have been um, approved to accept SNAP and EBT benefits. Um, and they are, according to them, one of the first online grocers that has been able to do that. Um, and the reason why this is so exciting and so important, um, and actually I think they sent a push notification, I used their app, and I think they sent a push notification when it came out. I like, you know, threw my hands up and clapped because I, I think this is a huge deal. Um, we talk a lot about food deserts on this podcast. And from my perspective, it can feel really out of touch for me to be talking about various eco-friendly and sustainable items um, when many people don't even have access to like healthy food in their communities, um, especially here in the United States. So when somebody like a Thrive Market is able to allow online purchases with these uh, benefits, they are actually expanding access to healthy eco-friendly groceries for those who might not have, again, physical access to some of these items. Now, is this perfect? No, obviously Thrive Market is not, um, they don't have fresh food on there, which is a huge deal. Um, but they do have a lot of like, um, one thing I really, another thing I like about them, I promise they didn't pay me this, but I like that they have um, affordable generic alternatives to like organic things, like organic ketchup, etc. So if you're on a budget, it might seem counterintuitive to, um, you know, to pay a subscription for groceries, but you make it back pretty quickly and it is pretty nice. They, you know, they offset all of their shipments, etc. Um, and again, I mean, you know, from, from a food desert perspective, not only is it important that people themselves get access to healthy foods, it also, you know, begs the question of what is the environmental impact of excluding certain populations from healthy food? And I mean, you think about the need for more, um, you know, homegrown or like locally grown options. Obviously, like farming, conventional farming isn't great for the environment, but, you know, smaller operations, of course, can be very self-sustaining and, and actually give back to the environment. Um, and I think, again, it when I, from a food desert perspective, I feel like environmental sustainability and social equity are not taught, like the link between those two things is not talked about enough. Um, and so to me, understanding the dynamics of food deserts and their impact on communities is really, I'd say, crucial um, for implementing effective policies um, that are going to be, you know, trying to improve access to, to sustainable food options for everybody. So way to go Thrive Market. I think that's awesome. If you've ever had to deal with any type of government program, um, my husband was in the Navy for many years, um, you know how hard it is to get anything approved or done from a government perspective. Like it just takes forever to interface with those people, uh, th those um, departments. <laughs> so 
I'm sure this was a hard-fought um, victory for them. Of course, they're going to benefit financially. We can't say that. Like I said, they didn't pay me. But again, I, I think this is great. I want to see more, um, more available options, healthy available options for people to use these benefits. So awesome job. Okay, moving topics to something that I like can't even open my phone without hearing about because I'm in this sort of sustainable bubble is news from a company called RenewCell. Um, so RenewCell is a company that is dedicated to recycling textiles. And they've been doing this for years. And their primary business model um, was working directly with companies like H&M, um, you know, like those big, you know, sort of high street companies, as they'd say over overseas, um, to recycle textiles en masse. And they unfortunately just filed for bankruptcy. And the reason why this is such a big deal is number one, in general, we're losing a, a great company. Like this the company was developing technologies to really like transform discarded textiles into new materials for clothing. So like we talk so much about clothing waste and the circular economy, et cetera, but um, they had a process that actually would yeah, break down these used textiles into really basic components like cellulose fibers. Um, and then they would spin, you know, spin and weave new fabrics out of it. Um, and so by doing that, the company was trying to reduce the need for more virgin materials to be created and thus lessen the environmental footpa uh, footprint overall of textile production. Unfortunately, though, they just filed for bankruptcy. And they're not the only game in town. Of course, there's other companies doing this. But I think what really shocked the community or like the people, the people who care about eco-friendly fashion community was that this is not the first time we've seen cracks on the surface of the great idea of the resale economy being profitable. So I'm talking specifically about, um, you know, monetizing the circular economy as it relates to fashion and doing it in a profitable way so that we can incentivize businesses to like become like start new types of renew cell companies or incentivize you know the H&Ms of the world to like bring this in house or you know just again money talks right like trying to get people to have a financial a positive financial stake from something like this um unfortunately this is not the first thing that we've seen happen i mean you know thread up um notorious you probably very familiar thread up it's an online thrift store um has been around for years and years gosh I, have they been around for they've probably been around for almost 10 years if not close to that i'm remembering because i back in the day interviewed for a job with them like way long ago um and anyway they are trying to turn profitable it, well, in 2023, they were trying to turn profitable. Um, they have not yet. To, they have yet to turn a profit. So I think we all know, like, the, the economics behind these types of companies. They use a lot of venture capital and other sources of funds to keep chugging along until they get profitable. But from a consumer perspective, right? So remember, if you're not familiar with ThreadUp, right? ThreadUp sends you a bag of clothing. You throw it in the bag. You ship it back off to them. They will take photos and list that list that clothing for you on their massive marketplace. You get a few dollars back and I think store credit um, to shop also on ThreadUp. I actually love to use it for uh, my daughter. I have a toddler. Um, her clothing 
I think it's a great option for that. Um, anyway, it's kind of hard to find stuff on there though, let me tell you. They haven't really solved for like discovery. It can be really difficult to find things. I'm sure they are so overwhelmed with like the sheer amount of stuff that they get. I, I cannot, that literally sounds like the worst nightmare is to like intake all that stuff. Um, but that part of the business where me as a consumer, um, you know, will send things to them and then I will go and buy products back from them is not profitable and it's not even close to being profitable. Um, it's losing money for the reasons that I just mentioned, right? Lots of um, hands are involved and, you know, lots of labor is involved to sell items that already can't technically be worth quote unquote a lot of money. But slightly good news there is that ThreadUp is finding profitability in a separate line of business, which allows businesses to utilize their services to sell their own clothing back to each other. So like Patagonia, Patagonia, I don't believe is a customer of theirs, but here's an example. Patagonia, if you go to their website, they have their, um, I forget exactly what it's called, but it's the, they have like a fun name for it. I think it's like renew. Anyway, if you go to their website, they've got a section of the website where you can look at previously loved pre-owned products and buy them directly from Patagonia. Um, I myself have investigated a few of these different providers. I didn't actually know ThreadUp was doing this. There's a lot of smaller units in town like Treat. Um, oh, there's another one out there that I can't remember off the top of my head. But those businesses are actually profitable. Well, in theory, there's more money, quote unquote, to be made because they are monetizing directly from other businesses. Um, so as long as the end business, right, like the Patagonias of the world can, um, you know, find people to buy clothing from them like that, we kind of solve for that discovery piece that I talked about earlier, right? Maybe I as a consumer get overwhelmed when I go to ThreadUp's website and I get barraged with every single brand ever and, you know, it's kind of a mess. But maybe if I'm a diehard Patagonia fan, I'd love to just go directly to Patagonia and buy that pre-love stuff. So if we as consumers can demonstrate that we like this kind of business model, I'm all for it, right? Like, let's make the companies that provide those services, you know, some money so that they can keep doing it. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So yeah, anyway, I think that was like the main... The main thing that really like upset people um, from this news, which was number one, we're like losing an environmental, you know, sort of pioneer when it comes from a um, textile waste um, and, you know, textile um, circular economy, textile innovation perspective. But we're also scratching our heads and thinking about, well, 
pardon the French, well shit. If we can't make the circular economy make money, then it's pretty doomed um, from a business model perspective. Now, listeners, you know our buy nothing group, my favorite thing ever, clothing swaps that are free in your community, those type of things are always going to exist and I love that. But if we wanna see change at a larger perspective, of course it would be great to get bigger businesses and sort of like bigger systems set up. So that was a little bit of a downer. Um, and I just keep seeing people talking about it. Like it's just, people are using, I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed listeners, like I don't know if I've even said this last time, but I feel like in general, it's ever since we've had the pandemic, <laughs> we've just been riding these like ups and downs as society, right? Like there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world. I feel like, has it, has it always been like this? I don't know, but it feels like there's a lot going on. Um, so, you know, it's easy for people to see bad news like this, especially from like an industry perspective and like go full, um, pessimist with it, right? And say, oh, that means no circular economy is ever gonna, uh, circular economy initiative is ever gonna make money. That's not true, but a lot of doom and gloom articles out there. Um, so if you're interested, we'll include links to the show notes, but, um, check out um, Renew Cell. It's all one word. Just Google that. There's a ton of really good um, articles about it. Vogue Business did a really good one. Um, so yeah. All right. So the last theme I have for you is um, just is very gener general, but I think it's worth talking about because you're probably thinking about this. And that topic is traveling. So end of February, I think spring break is coming up for people um, next month in March. We also have people like planning summer vacations. Um, I myself am going to Kauai with my family here in a few weeks, which I'm very excited about. Um, and you, we've done countless episodes about uh, sustainable travel and you know trying to do certain things as a consumer, um, particularly the ones that I'm passionate about are the ones involved in uplifting local economies, right? Going to local restaurants, like not just like keeping yourself at the hotel, but one thing that was super interesting that I found was a study came out um, specifically talking about how hotels are starting to listen to um, consumers' demands for more sustainable or eco-friendly practices. Um, and as a matter of fact, so this, um, this research was done by a um, hospitality management consultancy called Pace Dimensions, um, but it was, it was actually a really... Um, like nice sort of bright spot in, in, in the news we were talking about, which is um, after they did their study and their analysis, their conclusion was, hey, hotels, you better change your practices or you're going to lose business. Um, and that's pretty powerful. Uh, they, you know, really got into um, a few different, you know, aspects when we think about sustainable travel. Um, but let me just share a few different findings that I thought were really interesting. Um, so number one, their, their data is saying that over one in three people will pay more to be environmentally friendly, and they're going to be actively assessing the eco-credentials of their accommodation. So 30% more or less of um, any hotel's target market is gonna be looking up what that hotel is doing to be more eco-friendly, which is huge. Because we know oftentimes people say that they wanna be eco-friendly or whatever, and they don't actually do that. Um, 41% of consumers in this survey said that sustainable travel is important to them. So not as high actually as like some of these other um, 
surveys were like 100% of people say they want to be more eco-friendly. At least 41% is a little bit more realistic. But, you know, thinking about, you know, this big gap, I'm sorry, this big chunk of potential customers coming in the door to your hotel or your, you know, your restaurant, etc., is going to look up your eco-friendly credentials, which I think is really interesting. Obviously, this is bigger for um, younger age groups in terms of being the most aware of environmentally practices. Um, but, you know, other consumer groups such as like older age groups or quote unquote luxury consumers, not necessarily meaning that those things cannot be one and the same, but luxury consumers are particularly more con discerning. Um, and they're the ones that are saying like, well, I've got a lot of money to spend on a hotel and I really want to make sure that it is the most sustainable. You actually might notice this as you're going to book travel uh, lately, you'll start to see picket like badges that hotels create for themselves or like little call outs and like Expedia if you're on Expedia or something like you'll start to see like, oh, this hotel does X, Y, and Z um, for the environment, or, um, you know, th they've implemented these various practices. I mean, I'm old enough to remember that, like, one of the first things I ever <laughs> noticed at hotels as it related to sustainability was um, there was, like, that little card that they would prompt you uh, to put on your bed and say, hey, like, we don't actually have to wash your sheets every day, and you probably don't need us to. So if you put this card on your bed, we're not going to wash your sheets. Um, and you know, it's funny, like that, that is a huge impact in terms of, you know, power, power use reduction, water use reduction, etc. And most hotels, when they have those little cards, will tell you exactly how much you're saving, which is pretty cool. Um, but it's funny to me how like before they started that initiative, or you know, one hotel started it and it became like a big sort of um, trend was, yeah, the, the, the standard practice was your sheets got washed every day, your towels got washed every day. And I don't know about you, but most of us are not doing that at home. And please, if you are, please don't. I mean, I know I say I don't like to judge, but if you have to do it every day, could you not wait another two days? <laughs> but I think the average person, or at least like the official recommendation is you should change stuff out once a week. Um, towels, I think, a little, little bit more of a gray area, depends on how often you're bathing, etc. Might, they might actually need to switch your towels out a little bit more often, but the average person doesn't need to change your sheets, um, into clean sheets more than once a week. Um, so the fact that you're going on a hotel um, trip and you get that all done every day is a little bit silly. Um, and not only is it silly, it's actually not good for the planet. Um, so anyway, this one is a little bit more, not not as much like hard, hard data, I would guess. I mean, we, again, I'll include links to this um, survey that popped up at me, but I, the reason why I wanted to share it with you was that, you know, again, we hear a lot of like well-meaning statistics around, you know, 100% of people say that they want to be more eco-friendly or maybe it's like 95% or something. Um, you know, oftentimes people say things and they don't necessarily act on them. But the thing that was in, um, particularly inspiring to me from, from this study, and of course, just one study, one research perspective, um, is that there is evidence that hotels need to act on these things. So that is going to propel more change because as consumers, we have a voice. We choose where to spend our money. We choose what companies to pay attention to. Um, that's another thing I'll, I'll, I'll end with. 
um, as those were sort of my three themes I wanted to chat about with you today. Um, the last thing I'll, I'll say is just because we talk a lot about consumption here on this podcast does not mean you have to consume a lot. As a matter of fact, we oftentimes talk about consuming less, like I just talked about in terms of washing your sheets less. Um, but if you're not in the market, like let's say you're on like a total buying hiatus or, um, you know, you, you just you don't need to buy things or you don't need to consume, you can also choose to like follow a company on social media or support them in other ways rather than just purchasing things from them. Um, so again, like your choice to consume less is a choice in and of itself that a company is going to understand from a financial impact, but your choice to support businesses in other ways is also really important. So I know that it's, um, it sometimes seems strange when we're talking about all these products or sort of like the consumption, um, world as it is, but I just want you to know there's a variety of ways to get involved. Um, so that's just to this month's brief news, news roundup. If you have articles that you find are particularly interesting, send them to our Brightly Instagram. Um, we're at brightly.eco, as you probably know. Send us a DM. Put in a comment. Like, if there's something that you find to be particularly interesting, let us know. Um, and, oh, you know what? There's one more thing that just came to mind, which is very sad. And I'll just do a quick 30 minute, 30 minute, goodness. 30 second overview, um, the beloved owl um, that was hanging out in New York City, Flacco, unfortunately passed away. And I love, my, my family and I love owls, like owl, and owls like literally are um, our kindred animal. We, we love it so much. Uh, it's very sad to hear about Flacco's passing because he was sort of a figure um, in the city for, for a little bit. And unfortunately he died um, from injuries from non-bird safe glass. Um, so, Again, I don't want to end on a totally sad note. I mean, it's so sad that he passed away. But, you know, having these broader conversations now coming up and talking about the need for bird safe glass in the city and then just in general is huge. So while I'm very sad about poor Flacco, um, I want us to remember that sometimes it takes one particularly awful event to get us to think about solutions and the amount of businesses that have stepped up on social media that say we're replacing our glass tomorrow is huge. <laughs> so I'm um, comforted by that, although it's sad news. Um, so yes, I know that was a kind of a random insertion into what I was talking about in closing. Um, as always, listeners, feel free to chat us up on social media, send us an email, um, and thank you again for your support. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together. So have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.